Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers tonight. Hope you could spend the next hour with us. Hope you're having a good day. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. We simultaneously stream Monday through Friday live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. I hope everyone is doing well. I want to welcome and give a big thank you to all of our moderators. They do a great job every night. I want to say hello to some of our viewers. Let's see, who do we have? We have Obasi from Nigeria watching on Facebook. Welcome, Obasi. Lisa is also with us. Gypsy is joining us for a second night in a row. That's awesome, Gypsy. Good to have you here. Of course, we have Khaleesi and Saz who are moderating. Marie's moderating on the Instagram side. Want to welcome Barzan is joining us. Devrim is also joining us. E4Ed is also with us on Instagram. Like I said, I hope everyone's having a great night. A welcome to Lindsay Sparks, who's joining us all the way from Canada. She likes to remind us every night. Welcome, Lindsay. Great to have you on board here for tonight. Like I said, whether it's uh, nighttime or morning, depending on where you are, I hope you're having a good day. And uh, right now on the East Coast of the United States, it is 10.08 p.m. on a Thursday evening. For some of you, I know it's Friday morning. So the weekend is almost here. Fear not. want to welcome Colette, who's also joining us. Welcome, Colette. And let's just get right to it. Let's get started with the news. Yesterday just flew by. I tell you what, I did not realize that as I was going through the news, we were almost to the end of the show. That just blew me away. So anyway, the first up on the list today is Fear the Walking Dead offers an exciting update on the Season 7 filming. Now, this is a trailer for 6B season which is the second half of the season that we just started last Sunday. So let's go ahead before we read anything and take a look at this trailer. I'm sure we've seen it before anyways. Death, destruction, decay. What is happening to the world isn't new. The world's been breaking down since its inception. Everything is winding down, including us. Just everybody get off of me. It was not your choice to make. Death is inevitable. But from this death comes new life. And you are Alicia. Oh, I've been looking for someone like you for a long, long time. I have no idea who that dude is, but uh, he is like this mad scientist. At least that's how he comes across. That looks good. Uh, I've seen the majority of those scenes already in prior trailers. There were a few scenes, scenes in there that I have never seen before. That's a great trailer. I'm so jazzed up to watch the rest of this season. So let's see what this article says. Fear the Walking Dead may have just returned to the screens with a shocking mid-season premiere. No kidding on that one. But the horror se se series is not letting up. 
Production on season seven has now begun. A behind the scenes picture below posted on the show's social media accounts on Thursday, April 15th, revealed that filming on the new episodes is well underway. So you see the little uh, thing there. What does it say? Fear of the Walking Dead, Season 7, Director Ron Underwood. Uh, there you go. Why? Oh, it's Scene 6D, uh, Take 1. For the longest time, I wondered, why do they have those clippy-clippy things? And, uh, well, now I know. It's for them to mark in post-production when they're about to shoot a scene to know exactly what scene, what take, and whatever it is that they're doing. So, I'm sure you guys already knew that. Uh, and it looks like Season 7, Episode 3 will be directed by Ron Underwood, who previously worked on Seasons 5, 210 Words Per Minute, and Season 6, The Key, which I believe The Key was the name of the season premiere of Season 6. Last week's dramatic mid-season premiere featured the death of John Dory at the hands of Virginia's sister, Dakota, after John discovered Dakota was the one who murdered Cameron. In new pictures previewing Season 6, Episode 9, which is this upcoming week's episode, Morgan and Virginia's feud reaches a possible climax, while a distraught June is seen burying her husband. However, Garrett Dillahunt, the actor who played John, has already landed his next role. No big surprise there. Joining the cast of the upcoming adaptation of Delia Owen's best-selling novel, Where the Crawdads Sing. Good for him. I mean, he's just an amazing actor. There was no doubt he was going to find work almost immediately. Speaking about his character's exit from Fear the Walking Dead... Delahunt said they came up with this great idea, great and tragic and wonderful and believable in this world for how to get him off the show and at the same time propel the story forward. I'm real excited for what the future holds and I'm real happy, he added. I'm really excited to stay in touch with fans. John will always exist and he was a great character. I was honored to play him. And that's it. Nice little short article and a whole bunch of Walking Dead memorabilia below it. But I'm still reeling over losing John. I got to be honest with you guys. I'm really curious to what this next episode is going to bring, which should have been released today on AMC+. Uh, I know the first uh, episode, the premiere, they did it a whole week in advance. But I believe every preceding episode, it's going to be released 72 hours in advance, which is today on AMC+. Plus. So I might be checking that out later on tonight. We'll see. We'll see how the night plays along. Colette on Facebook writes, loved John. How can you not, you know, not like John? He was such a good, honest-to-God character in a world that has gone to shit. So, anyway... Uh, Haunting of Hill House, which I gotta admit is one of my favorite paranormal series on Netflix, as well as its uh, uh, sequel, which is Haunting of Bly Manor, the creator to direct new horror movie set on Mars. That's right. I mean, yep. 
so far, we have seen several movies that have been, you know, supposedly on Mars. My favorite to date is not a horror movie, but I love The Martian with Matt Damon. I really like that movie. So anyway, Mike Flanagan, the man behind the hit Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, has a new horror project in the works, Deadline Reports, and this, and this time it is set in space. Flanagan will direct an adaptation of the sci-fi horror novel The Season of Passage by Christopher Pike. Although details about the, movies are, about the movie are being kept under wraps, the book follows celebrity Dr. Lauren Wagner, who was involved in a manned expedition to Mars. But while the world loves and respects her, she's haunted by the mystery of the missing group who went before her. Are they dead or did they meet another fate? Flanagan is currently adapting another of Pike's novel for Netflix, The Midnight Club, which is currently filming, will be a TV series based on the book of the same name. It follows a group of terminally ill teenagers who meet every night to tell each other scary stories. So it's like Dead Poet Society. Instead of poetry, it's just horror stories. The cast includes A Nightmare on Elm Street's Heather Langenkamp. Wow, it would be good to see her back on the screen. Uh, Netflix's designated King of Horror has certainly been busy in December 2020. The writer-director wrapped up production on another series for the streamer, Midnight Mass, about an isolated island town that begins to experience strange occurrences after the arrival of a mysterious preacher. Although much of his recent work has been on the small screen, Flanagan's big screen directing credits include Dr. Sleep, amazing, the sequel to The Shining, and Gerald's Game, another good one, a psychological horror that's also based on a Stephen King novel. While we wait for the season of Passage to hit the big screen, check our list of the best horror movies of all time. You know what? I just got to see this list. <laughs> I just want to see. I just We have done these lists up and down since we've been doing this show. I just really want to go quickly through this list and see what's on their, their list. All right. Host. You know, we had the star... Haley Bishop on our show, that's number 30. Saw, 29. I'd put a little bit higher up on the list. The Birds, Dawn of the Dead, number 27, really? Uh, Shaun of the Dead, 26. Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead 2. The Babadook, The Cabin in the Woods, A Quiet Place, Paranormal Activity, all right, let's go to the next page. That was the top, the first 10. They're working their way backwards. 19, Suspiria, The Descent, It Follows, An American Werewolf in London is number 16, Wreck, 2007. Now, Wreck is the Spanish version of the American film that was called Quarantine. Uh, number 14, The Blair Witch Project. I... Uh, I'm just not agreeing with the uh, numbering on this list. Uh, 13, The Witch. 12, The Wicker Man. 11, Get Out. All right, let's see the top 10. 
Alright. 10, 28 days later. Okay. 9, Scream. Fine. Alien. Okay. Jaws. Which I, I've said this before. I don't consider Jaws a horror movie. Uh, number 6, Halloween. The original. 1978. Number 5, The Exorcist. Number 4, Hereditary. Wow. I mean, it would definitely be in the top 30, but they, they put it as number four. Great movie. Number three, The Thing. Number two, The Original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And number one, according to them, the number one horror movie of all time, The Shining. Now, there are a lot of... I agree with this list. I just don't agree with the ordering. <laughs> That's all. Um... Let's see, uh, Gypsy Road says, Gypsy's on the West Coast, uh, we started about a half hour late today, he's like, he, he likes this start time a lot better, uh, Colette writes, I don't know what it is, but I think if any life on Mars is inside of it, we don't know, you know, uh, but you know what, the time is coming where uh, a human being is going to go to Mars, that you can be assured of. All right, next on the list, Jeffrey Dean Morgan shares a sneak peek of his 11-year-old son's Walking Dead role. I didn't even know that his son was going to appear in The Walking Dead. Good for him. So, uh, I don't think that's a picture of him, but let's read what it says. Jeffrey Dean Morgan has a little walker on his hands. Maybe it is him. That's a great black and white pick. Maybe that is his son. And check out the teeth, okay? Nice pearly white teeth. And you can tell by the decay of the flesh of this zombie that they're not a fresh kill, but they still have the pearliest of white teeth. My teeth are nowhere in as good a shape as this walker's is. Anyway, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has a little walker on his hands. On Thursday... The actor, who's 54, gave fans a sneak peek at his 11-year-old son, Augustus, Gus Morgan's, upcoming appearance on The Walking Dead, sharing a photo of the young boy in full zombie makeup. My kid, just a peek, as a dad, I have to say, I'd be hard-pressed to remember a time that I've been more proud of this dude. He captioned the black and white Instagram shot. So that is his kid. Can't wait for y'all to see him in action. Hashtag guys Dean and hashtag zombie life. Hillary Burton, who shares Gus and three-year-old daughter George Virginia with Morgan, left an equally supportive message in the comment section of her husband's post saying, I love my apocalyptic dudes. With three love hearts. Uh, Gus is slated to appear on the 11th and final season of the AMC series. Earlier this month, Morgan teased Gus's part on The Late Late Show with James Corden, sharing that it's a cool little role. My 11-year-old son is going to be featured Walker in episode 5 of season 11. He told uh, Corden he's been getting his COVID test so he can be on the set and all of that. He is so pumped, it is ridiculous. While this will be Gus's first appearance on The Walking Dead, he's had experience with the show's zombie 
makeup in the past, according to Morgan. The last time we did any zombie makeup on him, he looked at his reflection in the mirror and passed out, the star recalled. Now, that was a few years ago, so I'm hoping he doesn't pass out this time around because the makeup's going to be extensive and cool. Uh, Gus's role follows his mom's guest starring stint on The Walking Dead, in which Burton played Lucille, the wife of Morgan Negan's character. Reflecting on the experience, Morgan told EW this month that he and Burton, 38, grew emotional while shooting opposite of each other. We never rehearsed. We couldn't even look at each other without, like, tear, tearing, sorry, tearing up. It was very interesting. It was weird, he said. We only did one or two takes of everything that you saw. It was great because we just couldn't have done it anymore, by the way. Morgan continued, we were just wrecked. And here's a nice uh, family picture of uh, JD, George, his son. Awesome picture. That is Hillary, even though she's kind of half in the shot. I believe that's Hillary. Yeah, it is Hillary. Uh, Burton, for her part, said that the thing that scared me the most about the role was transforming into a zombie. My biggest fear was that he was going to pull the bag off my head and I was going to be a, I guess she meant shitty zombie. And he would burst out laughing. I didn't want to ruin my scene by being a tacky zombie, the One Tree Hill alum remembered. Morgan actually made a phone call and they gave me a coaching session and they told me just to act like a drunk toddler. And we have heard that before. Greg Nicotero, when he teaches the walkers on how to be walkers, uh, we have read before that he tells them just act like you're drunk, stumbling around. So she said, act like a drunk toddler, which is like a good vibe, you know, just kind of wiggling your head around and chomping at stuff. We've got a toddler, so we just studied her. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Lindsay writes, that is a great shot of Jeffrey Dean's Morgan's son, Gus. That is a great shot. That is an awesome pick. The black and white one where he's dressed up as a zombie and this family portrait right here. Uh, Georgie, Gus, JD, and Hillary. Want to welcome Carlitos, just joined us on Instagram, Merely, and Ahmed, who's just joined us on Instagram. Welcome to you guys. CC writes, yep, I seen it on Instagram earlier today. Uh, Saz writes, Gus is going to be in episode five. So, looking forward to that. Now, what to stream this weekend? Benedict Cumberbatch. And I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys watched the uh, the BBC Sherlock. Uh, he plays Sherlock. He was also in the second Star Trek movie with Chris Pine. He played uh, Khan from, uh, you know, Khan from uh, the original Star Trek movies. Uh, he played Khan in the remake of that as well. So, wonderful actor. So, Benedict Cumberbatch is the courier horror film Honeydew. Movie theaters are slowly reopening for the summer season, 
but new streaming films are still coming home to entertain you and your family during socially distant times. This weekend, Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel Brosnahan co-star in a historical thriller surrounding the Cuban Missile Crisis. And just on the Cuban Missile Crisis, since I don't know why, tonight I feel like stating my favorite movies from particular uh, time periods. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the Kevin Costner film, 13 Days. Uh, If you haven't, it's not a horror movie, but it's a great film. It's a great history lesson on what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, Steven Spielberg's son, Sawyer Spielberg, has his first lead film role in a backwoods horror flick. And And Marvel mainstay Sebastian Stan who is currently starring in Disney's The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, goes from superheroes to love at first sight in a romance co-star, Denise Gao. If you're planning to return to your local theater, writer-director Ben Wheatley's In the Earth is a folk sci-fi horror about a scientist called Joel Fry and park ranger Elora Torsia who venture into a forest to find a research site and run into a trippy and terrifying situation. Now, Benedict Cumberbatch, unlikely spy, what's real, what's not about the courier's Grayville wine, but if you'd rather stick closer to home, here's a rundown of new movies hitting streaming on-demand platforms this weekend for every cinematic taste. Uh, The solid spy thriller pulls from the real-life events, of British businessman Greville Wynn, who plays, who's played by Cumberbatch, who is recruited by his government and an American CIA agent in the 1960s during the Cold War to cultivate Oleg, a high-placed Soviet source. Familiar secret agent shenanigans abound, but more interesting is the relationship that grows between Greville and Oleg, as well as the effect that being a spy has on Grayville's home life and his wife as America and the Soviets careen towards the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, now Honeydew, there's a mix of Hansel and Gretel and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with this rural, gory thriller about a young couple, Sawyer Spielberg and Malin Barr, whose car breaks down and they find shelter and a warm home-cooked meal in the house of a strange old lady played by Barbara Kingsley. However, the cuisine here is deeply disturbing. There's a celebrity cameo that you have to see to believe, and Kingsley proves to be a memorably creepy antagonist in a film that will leave you pretty shook in a good way. Now, The car breaking down reminds me of the movie I was mentioning that I started watching two nights ago, which I did finish yesterday, called The Toll. Uh, Max Toplin, the star of that movie, is going to be our guest. I gave the wrong date yesterday. He is going to be our guest on Monday, this coming Monday, April 19th. And tomorrow, guys, we have special guest Sophie Guest, uh, who is in the... Amazon hit new series called Them. Disturbing show. Uh, I've seen three episodes already. 
Uh, but she is going to be our guest tomorrow. A uh, very talented young woman. She's going to be here tomorrow. Sophie Guest. And then on Monday, we have Max Toplin, who uh, stars most recently in the movie The Toll, which I finished yesterday. A great movie. Great little twist at the end. I'm not going to ruin anything for you. It's. I highly recommend you watch it. We are going to be talking about that movie on Monday. So if you want to know what we're, what we're talking about, like I said, I recommend you guys watch it over the weekend. So it was a really good movie. Uh, it's short. It's only an hour. It's less than an hour and 20 minutes. But it has a great storyline. It centers around two characters. The main character is Max Toplin, who's going to be our guest. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll let you guys watch it and come up with your own opinions. But I personally liked it. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's guest. I don't know how many of you have been watching them on Amazon Prime. It's a highly acclaimed show about 1950s America when a black uh, family moves into an all-white neighborhood in East Compton, Los Angeles. And just, you cannot watch that show and just get emotionally angry on the events that happen on there. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but personally for me, I cannot watch them and not get angry at what it was like. And uh, I just want to add that... um, Yeah, we've come a long way since the 1950s, but we still have a long ways to go uh, for racial equality in this country, in America especially. But uh, I think it's a show that even though it does make you angry watching it, I'm glad they made it. And like the filmmaker said, it's something that we need to watch. Even though it's not pleasant to watch, It's something that we all need to be made aware of. So the show is called Them. If you have Amazon Prime, that's another big recommendation. I've only seen the first three episodes. The first season is a total of 10 episodes. And they're all available right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, Gypsy writes, Gypsy. Gypsy's always making a pitch to come back on our show. Gypsy, you will be back on our show. Uh, CC writes the story of them actually happened. Happened. Yeah, it did. In Compton, California. It did happen. And again, that's just another aspect of what makes it so maddening to watch. Um, Khaleesi writes, thank you, Viz. That's why I can't finish. I'm going to, but I've come out of an episode a time or two. It just makes you angry. It really just makes you angry that this was what life was and it was normal back in the 1950s. And you got to remember, this is before the whole civil rights movement. Uh, But anyway, let's move on. Uh, Rick Grimes will return to the Walking Dead comic to battle aliens. I'm sorry, but I cannot refuse this headline. Rick Grimes 2000 was a one-off joke in The Walking Dead issue number 75. Now, Skybound Entertainment is celebrating its 10th anniversary by finishing the story. 
The Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman has always liked to tease that the real cause of the zombie outbreak in his long-running comic series was extraterrestrial in nature. Back in January 2020, Kirkman responded to a question on Twitter as to the zombie's origin with a simple space spore. And that was actually even mentioned in the original Night of the Living Dead. Uh, It was a joke, of course, but it was also a stealthy shout-out to what The Walking Dead could have been. Kirkman originally developed The Walking Dead as a Night of the Living Dead comic, but when Image Comics encouraged him to develop his own idea so that he could control the IP, Kirkman concocted a Plan 9 from Outer Space-esque tale of how the zombies were actually animated by an alien race that was preparing to invade Earth by disrupting its infrastructure. That obviously never came to pass, and The Walking Dead would go on to tell 193 issues of strictly zombie stories with no off-world shenanigans. And for me personally, I don't really need to know the origin of the zombie virus. Now that the series is over, well, the comic series is over, however, Kirkman appears eager to once again pay homage to the original idea. Skybound Entertainment, the production and publishing company co-founded by Kirkman, announced its plans for a 10th anniversary celebration today, and those plans include a pretty stunning bit of alternate Walking Dead history. Starting in July of this year, Skybound and Image Comics will launch a five-issue limited comic series called Skybound X. Each issue of the series will feature new material covering existing Walking Dead characters and other Skybound properties from writers, artists such as uh, Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, Tilly Walden, Donnie Cates, Joshua Williamson, Chip Darsky, James Harron, and Daniel Warren Johnson. Skybound X Issue 1 will even feature the comic debut of beloved Telltale Walking Dead game character Clementine. What's also particularly intriguing about this announcement, however, is that each of Skybound's X5 issues will begin with a new chapter of Rick Grimes' 2000. Written by Kirkman and illustrated by Invincible artist Ryan Otley. What exactly is Rick Grimes' 2000? That was my question. We're so glad you asked because that's where the aliens come in. Rick Grimes' 2000 is a brief, sci-fi Walking Dead spinoff included as a lark at the end of the series 75th issue. The non-conical tale is only six pages long but packs an astonishing amount of explanation and action into the short frame. Like The Walking Dead itself, Rick Grimes 2000 opens with Wick, Rick, Wick, Rick waking up from a coma in a hospital bed Based on the uh, machinery Rick is hooked up to and his new Luke Skywalker-style mechanical hand, 
it's clear that something is way off. Rick makes it out of the hospital only to encounter some of his old friends and foes whom he believed to be dead, Tyrese, Axel, and Martinez. Tyrese explains that aliens have been gathering up humans as they die to turn them into super soldiers for their alien army. And that sounds like something straight out of the X-Files. Michonne then further clarifies that these same aliens have been behind all the zombie nonsense in the Walking Dead world. The aliens have come to Earth to harvest our water, which is their currency. They launched a zombie outbreak to that end. Now they're rounding up the few survivors to continue harvesting water. Their most enthusiastic ally in this endeavor is none other than Brian Blake, a.k.a. the Governor. After the Governor smashes Michonne's face in and taunts Rick, the text at the bottom of the page reads, Not to be continued. Well, apparently Rick Grimes 2000 was to be continued and the story will proceed very shortly. The first issue of Skybound X features a sci-fi Rick Grimes on its cover, clutching a lightsaber-like device and surrounded by zombies. And there's the cover. That's kind of cool. That looks like the Hulk. That that looks like the Hulk to me, uh, but it's a cool, cool-ass cover. I'll give it that much with the mechanical hand, and yeah, that's, that's a lightsaber, all right. The original Walking Dead comic run remains very much over, with the television series set to follow it out after its 11th season. Aside from the color re-release of the comic underway now and a Negan spinoff, Kirkman has indicated that the Walking Dead canon is all set. What do you guys think about that? The whole alien storyline. I know there are a set of fans out there that this would deeply satisfy. Uh, And, you know, I think it's great. It's creative. It's imaginative. It's not something that I would, you know, for me, it would not enhance the Walking Dead story the way I wanted to go, but there's a large number of fans out there that would love to see this play out, especially since Kirkman wrote this uh, all the way back on issue 75 of the original comic books. So, uh, Summer writes, what the what? Not my Michonne. Yeah, you heard that right, Summer. The governor smashes Michonne's face in. That's what it said. No lie. All right, Bloody Mary versus Sirens, what the next American horror story theme should be. And we talked about this several episodes ago, how the creator of American Horror Story uh, put up a poll so people can vote on what the stories would be. And he announced the, uh, the, the winners as being Bloody Mary and Sirens. And he's just, you know, playing with the fan, not playing like in a bad way, but just getting the fans enthusiastic. And uh, he actually ordered a recount because a lot of people were asking for a recount 
on the two final stories that were selected. Uh, so let's see what this says. The poll for a future American horror story th- uh, theme is down to two, Bloody Mary and Sirens. And here's which one would be the best for the series. Ryan Murphy, who is the creator, continues asking fans to vote for the next American Horror Story theme. It's now down to two, Bloody Mary and Sirens. Which one would work best? Back in 2011, Ryan Murphy shared with the world an anthology horror TV series titled American Horror Story. Each season covers a different theme within the horror genre. And while they are standalone stories, some characters have appeared in other seasons. That's an understatement. Forming a unified American Horror Story universe. The first season was all about a haunted house and was retroactively titled American Horror Story Murder House because the Murder House title did not come before that season was released. It was just the premiere of American Horror Story. It wasn't until after the first season ended. I don't know how long after. It just got the name of Murder House. And introduced some of the series' reoccurring actors, most notably Evan Peters and, of course, Jessica Lange. Murder House was a success with critics and viewers allowing Murphy and company to continue to continue telling different horror stories for nine seasons. The most recent one being American Horror Story 1984, which for me is my least favorite season to date. Set in the title year at a summer camp with the main theme being classic horror slasher movies from the 1980s, such as Friday the 13th and Halloween. Fans are now waiting for the 10th season of American Horror Story, which is titled Double Feature, to be released and for its theme to be revealed. But in the meantime, Ryan Murphy has been asking fans what they want to see in future seasons. Thanks to its success, American Horror Story has been renewed. And here's a real big surprise. I mean, FX is not just renewing it season to season. They have renewed the show all the way through season 13. So, including this season that is coming out sometime this year, we still have at least four more seasons of American Horror Story. And Ryan Murphy wants to hear the opinion of fans. So far, the themes and topics addressed in American Horror Story have been haunted houses, asylums and aliens as a subplot, witches, freak shows, haunted hotels, the 1580s Roanoke colony disappearance, cults, the apocalypse brought on by the Antichrist, and slasher movies. Double Features theme has not been confirmed yet, but the season will have two stories, one set by the sea and another one by sand. Now, Ryan Murphy has been running a poll on Twitter where users using the hashtag of the theme they want to see in the upcoming seasons, with the final two being Bloody Mary and Sirens. So if you want to vote, those are the last two standing. 
just go on Twitter and just do hashtag Bloody Mary or hashtag Sirens. And the latter is the best option for the show, Sirens. Uh, the Bloody Mary legend is quite popular and everyone knows at least one version of it. But essentially, it's all about a spirit that appears in the mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. The most common legend says three times. Bloody Mary's intentions also vary depending on the story that you hear. She can either reveal the future or she can jump out to kill you. The Bloody Mary legend has been included in different media for years, and while it's a character that would fit American Horror Story, it doesn't offer anything different or that could make her stand out from previous seasons. Sirens, on the other hand, offer a lot more possibilities for the show. American Horror Story is already taking the first step into the aquatic horror with Double Feature, which was at one point believed to be covering Sirens. But as Murphy added, this theme to the poll, that can now be ruled out. Now, Sirens are mythological creatures said to lure sailors with their music and singing voices to shipwreck on the coast of their island. Sirens were believed to also charm the winds, and the legend says their music is impossible to resist. Sirens influence the figure of mermaids, who are also aquatic creatures, but even though they are also linked to disasters, they are portrayed as less dangerous and nightmarish as sirens, as they can also be benevolent. The appearance of sirens has changed throughout the years, going from a combination of women and birds to half-human, half-fish figure everyone associate with them now. Sirens would be a completely new realm for American Horror Story to explore. And while it might sound like a strange theme for the show, um, it's worth noting that the writers have shown a talent for adding unlikely themes and topics to the series that have worked quite well, as was the alien subplot in Asylum. Fans have shown their interest in seeing Sirens as part of American Horror Story, and if Ryan Murphy is really that open to listening to his audience, they can expect to see these creatures in the show in the near future. Now, if I had a vote, I would go for Bloody Mary. I mean, I do have a vote. Everyone has a vote. You can vote as many times as you want, I guess. All you got to do is go to Twitter and hashtag what your vote is. I would like to see the Bloody Mary story just because of the more paranormal nature to it. The Sirens story sounds really fascinating as well. Definitely not opposed to that in the slightest bit. But if, you know, I had to pick between the two, my choice would be Bloody Mary. So, uh, Colette likes uh, Sirens. Cece says definitely Bloody Mary. Uh, Colette also writes Asylum was my favorite. By far, one of the best American Horror Story seasons. Uh, there are a lot of others. Came in close second, but yeah. Asylum, 
has to be the best one to date, without any question. And we are at 44 minutes in, so I'm not going to fall into the same trap that happened yesterday. We are going to talk about our topic tonight, all right? And since we just did American Horror Story, we are going to be talking tonight about horror anthologies. From classic TV shows to thrilling movies, anthology stories have a way of keeping up the scares, tale after tale. Each anthology is unique, and just here are some of the most unique tales, and you could sort of through this see the uh, evolution of horror anthology that it has taken all the way starting with the 50s. And in the 50s, it was... Uh, To be more precise, 1959, The Twilight Zone. The original horror anthology, the granddaddy of them all. It is best known for horror, but has done a lot of science fiction, comedy stories, but is best remembered for the eerie tone and iconic and very horror-based theme, as well as that classic opening, uh, the opening credits. Uh, was one of the only television shows on primetime slot that dealt with horror-like themes. you got to remember, this is going back to the late 50s now. The series was popular enough to gain numerous televised reboots, as well as a feature film, which I personally loved, all, the, all following the anthology template. Now, going to 89, we got Tales from the Crypt the most uh, overt horror anthology based on a uh, base series, sorry. It was placed on HBO, which offered it to show a lot more graphic scenes, giving it a different feel than, let's say, The Twilight Zone. The series has featured dozens of big-name actors, especially horror actors like Malcolm McDowell, Brad Dourif, who a lot of us know as Chucky, and Lance Henriksen, who has been in almost everything, you know, up until recently. Lance Henriksen is an amazing actor. Uh, Tales from the Crypt lasted seven season seasons, and oddly enough, ran on syndicated TV, which, considering it was an HBO show, really kind of made it unique. Now, 1982, we got Creepshow. And Creepshow is just got rebooted last year by Greg Nicotero and AMC on Shudder. Uh, it originally aired in 1982. It was a collaboration with two horror geniuses, and that would be George Romero and Stephen King. Unlike a lot of anthology movies, the movie Creepshow shares a sole writer credit and a sole director credit. The movie was heavily inspired by the horror comics of the 1950s. One of the influences was Tales from the Crypt, the comic. Told uh, five horror stories in a two-hour runtime, which is impressive since most horror anthologies will go for a shorter run and fewer stories. Now, the modern uh, you know, series, Creepshow, that Greg Nicotero is doing... You basically get two stories in a one-hour show, which is just right, I think. Uh, Another series, uh, this is probably less known to you guys, 
1962, there was a show uh, called Tales of Terror, another horror anthology starring another legend, Vincent Price and Peter Lohr. It was a movie, sorry, it was a movie that was ahead of its time when released. It was negatively received, but as we spoke with Laurie Cardiel the other day, movies that get a negative review during release is not really much to go by. Like I told Laurie uh, when we had her on the show a couple of days ago, history is the judge of where not just horror movies, any movie is going to fall in place. All three tales, as well as the, the, the narration, sorry, the narration was done by Vincent Price, uh, which, considering who he is and his voice, it fit the creepy vibe that the movie goes for. The anthology just becomes a mix of various masters of horror, with B movie king B movie king Roger Corman directing a script by horror author Richard Matheson, based on the works from the original master of horror Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, starring horror's top leading man, Vincent Price. Really, the movie could have been called The Masters of Horror, and it would not have been wrong. Now, moving to more modern-day anthologies. Let's see, we got Trick or Treat, 2007. Cult classic, cult classic anthology horror movie, written and directed by Michael Doherty. It was the second horror movie from the writer, who also penned Urban Legends, and again, the name Bloody Mary. So they were not inaccurate in that article that we just finished about American Horror Story, about the Bloody Mary storyline being played out a little bit. For me, if you go to Bloody Mary uh, and the story of Bloody Mary, it reminds me automatically of Paranormal Activity 3. When they were the, when Katie and her sister were young girls. And they did the Bloody Mary in a haunted house, which why you would do that, I have no idea. But that's what the Bloody Mary story reminds me of. Let's see, what else do we have? Looking at the time, of course, American Horror Story. We just spent a whole article talking about that. Very unique approach to horror anthology by keeping the story not just for half an episode or an episode but for an entire season. Every season, American Horror Story changes up to a new story. And what makes it even more unique is that it keeps bringing back the actors from previous seasons to play different characters on upcoming seasons. One of the, Probably one of the most successful uh, horror anthology series, maybe one that's more successful and more notable, of course, is The Twilight Zone. It has lasted so far nine seasons. We know that it's going to go for at least 13 seasons. It's one of the most effective modern horror shows, despite its placement on FX. And this is not a knock on FX. It's just that, you know, FX is not like, you know, one of the big broadcast networks. And I think kudos to FX for landing it, picking it up. It was a great pickup. It was amazing. Uh, so good for them. Now, a horror, horror anthology isn't stopping anytime soon. 
We just went over just a brief list that started way back in the 50s. It is picking up steam. Uh, the Walking Dead is getting into the anthology uh, business. The One of the spinoffs that are coming up after season 11 of The Walking Dead ends and the mother show comes to an end is Tales of the Walking Dead. That is going to be... Uh, each episode, it's going to be its own individual story onto itself. Uh, that is where we're going to maybe see backstories. Uh, when it comes to Glenn, we could see a lot of the characters that we have lost throughout the seasons on The Walking Dead come back. Just like we got to see Lindsley Register, who played Laura in Here's Negan. That was a big treat to see Lindsay back on the show. So horror anthologies are just gaining steam. They've been around for a long time, but they are being used a lot more widely now by filmmakers for a lot of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is, is it offers uh, limitless possibilities when it comes to storytelling and writing. That's why Greg Nicotero's Creepshow was so successful last season. Season two was released a couple of weeks ago. That's off to a great start. It's being released uh, week by week, episode by episode on Shudder. So there's only eight episodes per season, which is a total of 16 stories per season. Each episode has two stories. So if you have not gotten caught up on Greg Nicotero's take on Creepshow, it's an amazing series. Check it out if you have Shudder. Uh, Gypsy writes, people like to be scared. Absolutely. Lindsay Sparks writes, Supernatural did an episode of Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary has been everywhere. I mean, for a long, long time. And like I said, that's what those people who wrote that article were trying to say on how the siren storyline is less played out and would probably be, be a smarter move for Ryan Murphy to do a, a season of American Horror Story based on sirens than what they considered the played out story of Bloody Mary. But there's a reason why Bloody Mary is so played out. It's because it's damn popular. And it, it's been twisted up in so many different ways over the years that why not twist it up some more? And one thing American Horror Story is good at is taking a pre-existing story like the Roanoke Colony, uh, the disappearance, you know, American Horror Story taking it and making something completely unique out of it. I loved I loved Roanoke. Uh, Lady Gaga was in that one. I mean, it was just a great season. I loved uh, the story season for American, uh, the Roanoke season of American Horror Story. Anyway, guys, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to be a part of our live audience, you can catch us Monday through Friday live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Come be a part of a live audience. I love talking to our viewers. I want to thank all of our viewers who've tuned in tonight. To get, uh, like I said, we have upcoming guests. Tomorrow, we have Sophie Guest. From Amazon's hit show, new hit show, Them. Monday, we have Max Toplin from the new movie, The Toll. So, two upcoming guests tomorrow and Monday. Make sure you tune in 
for those. It's going to be two very fascinating interviews. Go to our website, deadtalklive.com. See all of our featured episodes. See our upcoming list of guests. It gets updated frequently. See our four most recent episodes, plus a whole lot more. I'll be back with you guys to close out the week tomorrow night. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay walking. Thank you.